Today we embark upon a four-week journey in a new series called BuzzFeed. And I'm sure you've heard the term. Uh, BuzzFeed is actually a, a media company that focuses on tracking viral content. A quote from the Urban Dictionary states this, I remember when BuzzFeed was something I did back in college at 2 a.m. I guess those that did the BuzzFeed at 2 a.m., they had a buzz and then they needed to eat something. So that was the original BuzzFeed. I wasn't one of those cats that did that, but uh, that was, uh, that's how some would think of BuzzFeed. This is a different BuzzFeed. As Christ followers and in our anchor community, I feel strongly that we should be having conversations about current events. And we should bring our faith and what we know about Jesus and what we know about the Word of God into present day issues and topics. And so thus, this particular series. We're going to be talking about racial equality. We're going to talk about politics a little bit. We're also going to talk about the problem of isolationism uh, in terms of uh, versus uh, connectiveness in relationship. And that's a real challenge today for, for many of us. And then today's subject, immigration. It's amazing how we feel the Holy Spirit puts things together in, in a thread through a gathering like tonight. And even the songs that we sang, Christ Be All Around Me, and some of the, some of the lyrics, the scriptures, and then the uh, emphasis with the refugee ministry, it all kind of goes together on this theme of immigration, foreigners among us. We've seen the images of families that have been torn apart at our borders. We've also heard the shouts, build the wall, build the wall. It's amazing, we sang a lyric and the walls came, came down. And so, should the wall go up? Should the wall come down? That's why we're talking about this tonight. What, is, what does the word of God say on this subject? Recently, ICE arrested 680 workers at a food processing plant in Mississippi in what was described as an effort to make employers conform to the laws of the land. But the upshot of that was over 600 people were all of a sudden out of employment. There's tears, there's strife, there's confusion. There's a lot of money being spent to fund both sides of the issue. And there's tension. There is an unprecedented number of refugees that are flooding the border. Shouldn't we have a heart of compassion? Absolutely. But the tension is there are laws in place to guide the process, though they may be inadequate. What is the Christian response? Should followers of Christ engage with this issue? Could an ancient book like the Bible address a current issue such as this? How would Jesus address present-day immigration? Is it possible that a nation can provide a home for all, hope for all people? As we kind of dive into tonight's teaching, I think there's some terms that would be good for us to uh, bring clarity to. For example, you will not find the term refugee in the Bible, but scripture has plenty to say about strangers, sojourners and foreigners and immigrants. So let's review some key terms in this discussion. First of all, strangers and foreigners. Anybody who was from another ethnic group but had chosen to live with the Jews in Israel 
were classified as strangers or foreigners. Most of you are familiar with the story of Ruth, a widow from the country of Moab, chosen to accompany her mother-in-law, Naomi, back to Israel to live with her there. In Ruth 2, 10, Ruth says to Boaz, why have I found such favor in your eyes since I am a foreigner? It was unexpected that a foreigner would, would be accepted so much and welcomed like she was welcomed by Boaz. Then there's the term sojourners. These are people temporarily living in Israel or just traveling through the country. Then there's the term refugees, people forced to leave their nation due to violent conflict or war. The term migrants, those who have chosen to leave their home country to escape poverty. And then a word very similar to migrant, which is immigrant. Someone who moves to another country for any number of reasons. Marriage, family ties, employment, business opportunity. Some today distinguish between immigrants with legal papers to enter a country and those without legal permission. That's a topic today that's talked about. In biblical times, that was not discussed. Maybe because they didn't have the infrastructure or uh, the, the system in place to require that, but it wasn't a consideration in the Bible whether somebody coming into a country had their paperwork or not. I think that's important information for us to understand. And then there's the term asylum seekers. Those who ask to live in another country to escape severe religious or political persecution or another violation of human rights. Now these terms that we've looked at come from World Vision, which does a great ministry uh, in terms of ministering to refugees and immigrants and those in third world countries. Now could there be the perception that faith does not speak to the immigration issue? Say, well, I think it does, I think it should because we are people of God and we've just read love one another so you would think that all followers of Christ would intersect their faith with this issue. According to World Vision, there are 25.4 million refugees in the world today. Let some of these figures sink in. 25.4 million people in the world today that are refugees. This next statistic is even, I think, more gripping. Of those 25 plus million refugees, over 14 million have been displaced for over 37 years. Almost four decades of being displaced is true, that's their life story for over 14 million people. They don't have a home as they're approaching four decades. As staggering as those statistics are, I was appalled at what was found according to a survey by the Pew Forum on Faith and Public Life. Only 12% of white evangelicals see the immigration issue primarily through the lens of faith. That's 88% of Christ followers that are under the umbrella of the evangelical church 
88% do not link their faith with the immigration issue. Staggering. As such, for the vast majority of white evangelicals, there is nothing in Scripture, including the teachings of Jesus, that speaks to this issue. Well, friends, the Bible actually has a lot to say about this issue. And my hope is that we are not a part of that that 88%. Immigration is a common theme in the Old Testament. So let's look there first. The Hebrew word gore, G-O-R-E, not Al Gore, but uh, the word gore means foreigner, sojourner, or alien. It's best translated immigrant. Various forms of the word are seen 92 times in the Old Testament. So it's frequently mentioned, almost 100 times. Most often, immigration is set in a positive light in the Old Testament. Leviticus 19.33, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. It's very clear, the word of the Lord to the Israelites at this time, do not mistreat foreigners. Treat them as if they were natives, which means protected citizens. Love them as yourself. Remember what it was like to be a foreigner. Remember what it was like to be an immigrant. He's talking to those that were slaves in Egypt and they needed to be rescued. They needed asylum from that heavy oppression. And so he's speaking to them, not so far removed from that time, saying, remember what it was like when you basically had an oppressed life? Now, as you are free, as you are in this country now that's established, the promised land, remember that. Remember what you would like to have, how you would like to have been treated when you were slaves, when you were foreigners, and open your hearts to receive those that are coming among you. And then he ends this instruction the Lord does with this exclamation point, I am the Lord your God. It's like he signs the signature at the end with the, what I would imagine is a rather booming big voice which I did not do justice to. But it's the, it says, I am the Lord your God. He's underscoring the importance of what he's just said. There were also laws to protect immigrants. They, as laborers, they were to be treated fairly. Deuteronomy 24, 14. They were also to observe Sabbath rest. The Sabbath was just not for the Jewish community, but those foreigners as they came in, they were also to have Sabbath rest. Exodus 20, verse 10. And they were to receive prompt payment for labor. Deuteronomy 24, 15. In other words, they were to have the same rights as those that were native Israelites. In addition, immigrants were placed in the same reference as two other oppressed groups, the fatherless and the widows. As such, they were worthy of special care and provisions. In the U version outline that some of you may be uh, following, you'll see about six references 
that speak to this, how the foreigners were in the same classification as widows and the fatherless, and so they were to receive special care. In summary, God commanded his people to love immigrants, both because he loves them and because of their unique history in Egypt. Deuteronomy 10, 18, he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves, loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And in Deuteronomy 10, 22, and the context here is, is immigrants coming into their country. Your ancestors who went down into Egypt were 70 in all, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky. What is God saying? He's saying, just as I blessed you, there were 70 of you, now there's thousands and thousands of you, just as I blessed you, it's in my heart to bless the foreigners that are coming in to your country. To bless them. So be a blessing to those immigrants coming into your land. God, ever the father of all people, defends the cause of the immigrants, very clear in the Old Testament, to love them. He charges his people to give them food and clothing, to treat them with care and respect, just like they would have liked to have been treated in Egypt. God's love for immigrants and others who are vulnerable is unchanging and should guide our contemporary response. Let's shift now to the Newer Testament. Let's start with the teachings of Christ. A part of Jesus' plan was to simplify the complex and numerous laws of the old system. Not only were there the Ten Commandments, which are also referred to as the Decalogue, but there were over 600 civic laws as well. That's a lot of rules. And so Jesus wanted to break those down and to give basically two commands that are also listed in the Old Testament, but just to bring it down, to funnel it down into, okay, there's a lot of rules, there's a lot of regulations, 600 plus, so let's just focus on this. If you do this, then that's going to take care of all of those laws that you have. So Jesus in Matthew 22, starting in verse 37, says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Unqualified, all-encompassing love for all. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus always has a way of putting things very succinctly. It's like, here it is. It's not paragraph after paragraph. The Sermon on the Mount is, but there's a lot of, lot of subjects in the Sermon on the Mount. He has a way of just bringing clarity in very few words. This is a great example. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's additional teachings in the New Testament that inform us in our thinking on this topic. Second, reminder to extend hospitality to strangers. Hebrews 13, verse 2. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. 
Now you're sitting here thinking, oh, angels? I don't even know if I believe in angels. Well, we're not going to get into a theology of angels tonight. Uh, we're not going to take a side road there. Time does not permit. We have talked about angels in the past. We'll cover angels at some point in the future again. But the primary point is this. Remember to show hospitality to those you do not know. For you might just be showing hospitality to an angel without knowing it. This point just underscores the need that that we have before us and the opportunity that we have to show kindness, care, concern, love for all people. We, we don't know their story, we don't know much about them, but we can be Christ to them, loving them. Third, immigration assists the church in fulfilling its mission. Acts chapter 17, verse 26. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. I love this. God marked out, it says, their appointed times in history and boundaries in their lands. That's still true today, but also what's true is that the world, the people of the world are coming to America in unprecedented fashion. Could it be that God has appointed this time for the purpose of verse 27? God ordained, listen to this verse again. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him though he is not far from any of us. Now we understand that the economic and sociological climates of nations are driving immigration. And there are some that would be advocates for let's try to pump money into these nations and try to fix their economy, try to fix their government. But what it could be, according to the word of God, I believe it's possible that God has appointed this time for those to come from the world into this country so that they can find hope, that they can be loved into relationship with Jesus Christ. I think it's a daunting task and not so much of maybe the work of the church to try to go and fix various governments and to pump money into various countries when people are flooding into this country. For us, What is our responsibility? I think it's to love as Jesus loved. I think it's to show kindness, concern, compassion. And ultimately for the sake of the mission of reaching the lost and for making disciples for Jesus Christ. To love people into relationship with Jesus. Fourth, Christ followers should view immigrants through the lens of biblical precedent and with the love of Jesus. What is biblical precedent, according to especially the Old Testament? It's that we are to treat these foreigners as native citizens, that we are to love them, to reach out to them, that we should not look at them as a threat or that they're invading our country. That's not the precedent that we see in the Bible, not to have that attitude of being invaded 
Also, there was nothing in scripture that said that only the educated and the gifted that had talent would be accepted into Israel. It was come one, come all. It was a word for those that were poor, those were downcast, those that were refugees, that they would be welcomed into the country. It was very inclusive, not exclusive, for all people. Fifth, Christ followers should ask better questions, perhaps. Support higher ideals. Rather than asking, are we allowing illegal entry? Perhaps we could ask, am I welcoming the stranger among us? Instead of asking, will this immigrant be a productive citizen? Perhaps we could ask, will I participate in helping to feed and clothe the poor? Rather than thinking, if I vote for an advocate for immigrants, my responsibility is over, perhaps we could assume a lifelong responsibility to love our neighbor as ourselves. Sixth and last, and remember we were once aliens. Ephesians 2, starting verse 12, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Another paraphrase of this is Christ is our peace. He has broken down every wall. Aliens, strangers, having no hope in the world. That was us before Jesus intersected our life. But now in Christ, we who were once far off have been brought near to God by the blood of Christ. That Jesus is our peace. He's made us one and has broken down the dividing wall of hostility. Now this word first was to Jews and Gentiles, which Jews and all of the rest of the races in the world. But I think it applies here. There should be no idea there's a wall of hostility. Rather, that's been broken down and we are made one with the peace of Christ because of his work on the cross. According to 1 Peter 1.17, all followers of Christ are strangers on earth that are to live out our time as foreigners here with reverent fear. You know, it's good to be thankful, I believe, that we live in America, that we live in a land of opportunity, that there is freedom in this country. But just a reminder for us Christ followers, this world is not our home. You and I are aliens in a foreign place. We're merely passing through. So the charge tonight is for us to love and accept people, all people like Jesus did. It's easy to look at one political party or a presidential candidate who we think will fix the immigration issue. All the while we look right over the people that are all around us every day. Those that are not like us those who do not look like us, those who came from a different place in the world. 
And so I think we'll talk about politics next week actually, but I think for tonight's teaching, there's a place to get involved in the political process. However, where is our hope? Where is the hope for the people of the earth? Where's the hope for those coming into this nation? Is it with the political system? I suggest the hope is in the followers of Christ, the church, who will have a heart of love for all people that Jesus gave his life on the cross for, not just us, but for all who come into this city, into this nation. By all means, followers of Christ must respond to immigration through the lens of faith. May God help us to make our city, our neighborhood, our neighborhoods a home for all, a place of hope for all people. I offer this closing word from Jesus, Matthew 25, starting at verse 35. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Let's pray together.